We've produced a new CD of two sermons preached by Pastor Todd Wilkin, one for Lent and one for Easter. And we'll send you this new CD for any size donation during the season of Lent. You can donate online, issuesetc.org, or by check, Lutheran Public Radio, Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. And for any size gift between now and April 12th, we'll send you a CD of one of Todd's Lent and Easter sermons. As a person of faith, I believe we are called to care for each other and work to ease human suffering. The full promise of stem cell research remains unknown, and it's about letting scientists do their jobs, and that we make scientific decisions based on facts, not ideology. If someone would disagree with the church on abortion, I don't see how they can call themselves a Catholic. And the vanity or hurt feelings of an individual Catholic governor or senator or even vice president do not take priority over the faith of the believing community. Christian film is bad film for the same reason that pornography is bad. It's made on low budgets, there's nobody in it with much talent, and we all know how the story's going to turn out. Thank you for providing theology for clerical collar, white collar, and blue collar. Well, I remember when uh, the... finally dawned on me one day. I was in the seminary, and we were, I was taking some sort of a class, and I was seeing, trying to figure out the, the theological landscape, not only of my church, but of the whole American church. I thought about those kind of things during my seminary days, and I was thinking, what's the real question that the church is struggling with right now? Of course, the gospel is always at stake, and we're going to discover that as we talk about the church here on this Thursday afternoon, but I came to the conclusion early on, and I think it's been proven true— that the real question mark in American Christianity is the church. What is it? Where does it come from? Is it a human institution? Is it a divine institution? Where do you find it? Can you find it? Can you reinvent it? Can you change it? Does it change? All those kinds of questions. And think about it, church growth, the emergent church, all these movements that have, in many ways, ravaged or are ravaging American Christianity, have all tried to redefine the church, and in doing so, they've redefined the gospel itself. We're going to be talking about the church on this Thursday afternoon. It's the 19th of March. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. You can join us for the next two hours. Our pastor's roundtable is first, one eight seven seven six two three my ie 877-623-6943, or you can email us at talkback at issuesetc.org. In the second hour of the program, Dr. Peter Scare will join us to talk about Joseph, the guardian of Jesus. I like that term, guardian of Jesus, as opposed to—we always get that awkward place in the sermon where the pastor says, Jesus' father, and then he says Joseph. And I mean, No, he's not his father. He's stepfather, adopted father, friend of mother. What do you call him? Guardian. That's what he is. That's what Scripture makes him. We'll talk about Joseph with Dr. Peter Scare, and then in the last half hour of the program, part four of our five-part series— on the impact of Christianity on civilization today, some very American ideas. They also happen to be Christian ideas. Liberty, justice. We'll even talk about slavery in the last half hour with Dr. Alvin Schmidt. Joining us here in studio for our pastor's roundtable, Pastor Will Whedon. He serves at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. He's a regular guest. Will, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. Joy to be with you. By the way, i got to thank you. The other day you were with us for St. Patrick's, right before St. Patrick's, and you did the best reading 
of St. Patrick's Rune I have ever heard, and you did it. I was worried about the time. <laughs> you had three minutes before we went to a break, and you got through the rune in like two and a half minutes without too much hurrying, and it was it was brilliant rendition. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. Also here in studio, Pastor Jeff Hammer is pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. Jeff, welcome back. Pleasure to be here. And then on the telephone from Austin, Texas, a little south of where the place from which I hail, pastor of St. Paul's Lutheran Church there in Austin, Pastor Mark Knuckles. Welcome to you, Pastor. Thank you. Good afternoon. Pastor Whedon, do you agree with me that the real question— if we could just boil it down to one question that has been uh, more confused and more controversial in American Christianity is, what is the church? I, I disagree that it's just American Christianity. I think it's the big—I think you're right. It's the, the, it, is, it is the question. It's been the question since the 19th century, but in the 19th and 20th century, even to the 21st century, the question that is before um, you know, the, the, the entirety of, of the Christian people is the question of the church. What is the church? That uh, I mean, that might be a really strange thing for people. To, <laughs> what do you mean after 19 centuries you're asking, what is the church? But uh, it is it is the question, Pastor Hemmer. If you could explain it to a kid, just a little child, if they say, "What is the church?" I mean, there are the obvious answers, like it's not the building or things like that. How would you answer that question for someone who simply inquired as to the nature of the church? Well, simply, you could say uh, the church is the people of God. Um, and so, explaining it to a little kid, he can rejoice in the fact that God has given him faith. Um, has claimed him through holy baptism to be his own, um, and has made him a part of the church. Then you can also point to to where the church is. Um, certainly he thinks of the church as a building, the place where he goes to, um, but it's the place where God delivers his word and his sacraments. Pastor Knuckles, how would you answer that question if you were asked, what is the church? The two things that I would take up would be, one, People in this country tend to look at the functionality. Is it producing some kind of a benefit or of, of noticeable quality that we could quantify and say, there is a group of God's people? And that is a struggle within our, our uh, nation as, as a country in that it tends to want to define a church or a building or a group of people according to their, quote, output what they're producing, how are they showing forth something of, of quantifiable or measurable uh, substance, rather than the essence of God's gathering his people and uh, of brokenness and of, of blindness to be uh, bound up and renewed to uh, continue to be the salt of the earth. Pastor Whedon, this, these two articles that we're going to talk about from the Augsburg Confession, the basis of our pastor's roundtables lately, Articles 7 and 8, 7 begins of the Church. Also, they teach that one holy Church is to continue forever. Why do they begin that way, do you think? The Lord Jesus promises in, in, in Mark, I read there, Matthew 16, that the gates of hell will not prevail against his Church. At the... At the... Uh, at the time of the Augsburg Confession, there was only one legally recognized church, period. <laughs> you know, it was that church, the, 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 the church of the Holy Roman Empire, or there was no church. And so they began by affirming, we agree with you. There is one church. 
and it will be, and it will remain forever, according to the promise of Christ. We're not saying that there are two churches. We're saying there is one church. But they right away go far deeper than anything up to this point has done, I think, since the time of the, uh, the, the New Testament. They give a definition of church in that next line that is purely eschatological. They look to the end. They see the church the way Scripture describes it, as it will be, for example, in the book of Revelation or in that beautiful passage in uh, Hebrews 12. They see the church, and they say, the church is this congregation of saints. It is this... Um, in fact, you know, I think the, the German is, is better, the Versammlung aller Gläubigen, the assembly, one assembly. Of believers. Of all believers. The one assembly of all believers. One assembly, all believers, all together, they say, there's the one holy Catholic apostolic church. Find that, and you found the church. Now, of course, the problem is in this world, where are you going to see it? Because in this world, as it is, before, before, the, before Christ appears again in glory, you're not going to see the church as she is. You're only going to see little pieces of her. But where you see the piece, you can rest assured the whole is there. The church never gathers with a piece of herself. She only gathers with the lot. The problem is most of it's invisible. Okay, now <clears throat> you've used a term there that is a bit thorny. Yeah. Uh, invisible. And I'm not using it like St. Augustine. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, Pastor Knuckles, when people talk about a lot of people are kind of comfortable with this. They'll say, all right, I know that it's not the building, and I know I, when I walk into church on Sunday morning, not everyone there is necessarily the church. There may be some false believers, false sons within her pale, as the, as the hymn says. How do I know, however, Pastor Knuckles— that I found that church that the confessors are talking about here, that one holy church that will continue forever. What, uh, what you were saying earlier, the invisible quality of it, that, that becomes an article of faith. The visibility, where it becomes visible, as ultimately where those two things are, are present. One, that word is preached in its purity and truth, and two, those sacraments baptism, the Lord's Supper, and the verbal absolution, those become rightly administered. There you can say, I can say, that's visibly the Church at that place. And it's not defined by its ability to produce a product. It's not defined by its ability to prove its worth or its value in any kind of a quantified or measurable point. It is proven simply by those two um, presence, that's Christ, because Christ comes through those two means. He is not found, or is not going to be encountered, or is not going to be uh, enjoyed or, or experienced in any other way except in that, those two ways. We're talking about the Church this Thursday afternoon. It's the 19th of March. I'm Todd Wilkin, and you're listening to Issues Etc., our pastor's roundtable, discussing this very important doctrine. You know, there are books filling the, the shelves of many pastors of Christian bookstores purporting to tell you what the Church is, what the Church can be, what the Church used to be and isn't anymore. We have phrases floating around like, this isn't your grandfather's Church. I've always wondered what that means, because as far as I remember, my grandfather was, was taught and, and believed the very same things that I w- was taught, and 
believed. He received the same baptism, the same Lord's Supper, the same absolution, the same Word of God. And if if those things comprise the church, how can his church be different from my church? Who knows? Maybe I still belong to my grandfather's church. But what is that thing that isn't the grandfather's church anymore? That's a good question. We'll take it up on the other side. Are you uncomfortable with making an online credit card donation? Well, here's an option for you. Call me at 618-223-8382, and I'll personally take your credit card donation and process it for you. Hi, this is Craig Feitinger of Lutheran Public Radio. Call me today, 618-223-8382, and make a secure credit card donation to help support issues, etc. 618-223-8382. Here's an easy way for you to publicize Issues Etc. at your church. Go to the Promote page of our website, issuesetc.org, and you'll find a short paragraph to include in your weekly church bulletin. Help inform your fellow parishioners about Issues Etc. issuesetc.org. Click Promote and copy and paste the text for your church secretary or pastor to include each week in the Sunday bulletin. We update this paragraph weekly. Go to the Promote page of our website, issuesetc.org. Back by popular demand, you're listening to Issues Etc. On behalf of the staff of Issues Etc., thanks to the more than 7,600 who signed the online petition to bring Issues Etc. back, Joshua Ritchie, Robert Perry, Susan LaRue, Alan LaRue, Bill Goodpaster, Troy Countryman, Sally Henriksen, Rebecca Grace Gherkin, Michael Vasily, and Kevin Brennan. Thanks for your support. Have you heard of the CLCC? In Hosea 4, we see my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. The Confessional Lutherans for Christ's Commission can help educate Lutherans on being Lutheran. We treasure our Lutheran beliefs and think that all Lutherans would if they learn what we believe, teach, and confess. Visit our website, www.theclcc.org. Check out what we have to offer. Get on our mailing list, or better yet, join us. And maybe encourage your pastors or lay leaders to hold a seminar in your area. Go to theclcc.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about the church with our pastor's roundtable. Pastor Mark Knuckles, Pastor Will Weed, and Pastor Jeff Hammer. You can read uh, the Augsburg Confession itself. Posted on demand at our website, issuesetc.org, issuesetc.org. Our email address on this Thursday afternoon, talkback at issuesetc.org, or our phone number one eight seven seven six two three. My IE, 877-623-6943. They say here, Pastor Hemmer, that it is enough to agree for the true unity of the Church. It is enough to agree concerning the doctrine of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments. To our modern ears, it sounds like they're being minimalists. They're basically saying, this is the bare minimum you have to have for the Church. In what context, to what context are they speaking there? Well... They're playing sort of a, a defensive role. Um, the Lutherans want to say, we're not uh, breaking apart from the Church. Uh, I mean, Will said earlier, um, 
that there's one church, one accepted church, and that's that's the Roman church at the time when the Augsburg Confession is delivered. And so what the Reformers want to say is that we are part of that one uh, holy Catholic apostolic church that has existed throughout time and will exist until the end. And it's not a matter of a, uh, a certain list of, of rites and ceremonies that uh, allow you to identify the church. It's a matter of uh, the pure preaching of the gospel and the pure administration of the sacraments that determine where the church is. It's a matter of um, having the faith of the apostles and the gospel of the apostles. I, I think it's it's vital then to, to the true unity. We have to see that the unity of the church is not different from the unity of faith, which joins you to Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. That this is the unity of the Christian church. That the Holy Spirit works faith in a person's heart that binds that heart to Jesus Christ and through Christ to the Father. That is the unity of the church. And when they reject anything else as being the unity, they're saying everything else, that's, that, 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 that is not at the heart of what binds people together. What binds them together is what puts them in saving faith, in a saving faith connection with Jesus Christ. Okay, let's make this... Let's, right. Yeah, please uh, do. I was going to say, that's precisely right, because... It is one of the uh, blessings and banes of being a part of our confession of faith, and that is we don't have the infrastructure of the bureaucratic Episcopal kind of concept of priests and bishops and so on, which ultimately brings the whole validity to that church and that local parish. Instead, we have it centered around word and sacrament, which then gives rise to the very thing that Pastor Whedon was saying. It is that which binds us together and makes us the one holy Christian and apostolic church, not an Episcopal system nor a priesthood. So the thing, the very thing outside me that makes me a Christian, Pastor Whedon, is the very thing that makes me a member of the church the very thing that holds the entire church together. Isn't this what St. John said? I mean, think about the beginning of his first letter. You know, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, and our eyes have looked upon, our hands have touched concerning the word of life, Jesus Christ. That life was manifest. We've seen it. We testify to it. That's the gospel. We proclaim to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you, so that you too may have koinonia, fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we're writing so that our, our joy may be complete. He's bound together. This God, the, the point of this good news of Christ is that it binds you to Christ and to the Father. And so this is the unity of the Christian church. And it's the only unity that's ultimately eternal, real, and matters. Let's make this particular then. I mean, to our context, right now in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, there is uh, a crisis of unity. Now, some churches might consider it to be a minor crisis of unity, but um, but it, I think it is actually a major crisis of unity. And the question of the day is, how do we reunify the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod? One response that's given to that is, we need to reorganize, and that will unify us again if we reorganize our structure, our government. 
And isn't that the exact same mistake that they're, you know, they're saying, they're, you know, the, the Romans, the idea that the structure is what was what was going to keep the unity of the church going. You know, they're like, that's not the, that's not the unity. That's not where the unity, the unity of the church exists. It's not in structure. So how does a church, even if, let's talk about the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate be particular, how, if it has a crisis of unity now, where uh, there are different things believed, taught, and practiced throughout its, its, uh, its breadth. What is the path to true unity again? Well, we, we do need to acknowledge, and I heard you mention that wonderful term, grandfather's church and so on. We do have to get past the idea that there was ever this romantic era when everything was smooth as silk and went along swimmingly. That is an, a romantic idea of some uh, concept that I don't think the church has ever existed. It has gone through ups and downs, but there's never been a like a, uh, a utopian era. There has always been issues, because it may have looked as if everything was copacetic on the outside and could have been rottenness to the core on the inside, because they had no idea as to what they were believing, but they were lockstep following along. No different than the flip side of it. We are on the other side where, unfortunately, in very much outward motion, we can now say, wow, I can really see that we've got issues. We had issues before. It's just now that they're very much more in the middle of the room and uh, making noise than they were before. But it is exactly what what Pastor just said. The unity cannot be wrapped up in a new organizational structure. That's not how you fix your marriage if your marriage is going down the tubes, is to completely have a new rearrangement of how your organization of marriage goes on, or family. It is, what are the things around which you are unified? And if it's, it's your faith, what is your faith in? What do you believe to be true about Christ and how he came to us and how he brings himself to us and what he gives us in his word and sacrament? And that's exactly right. We can no more reunify ourselves than we unify ourselves in the first place. Yeah. It's, it's the faith that's delivered to us that makes us one church. Precisely. Um, all who share the faith are united. Um, our, our natural tendencies are, are towards disunity. Um, in the way we act towards one another, but it's the faith that Christ delivers. It's it's His gospel, His sacraments that unite us. And so the Word becomes central. I mean, you, you ask, well, what do we do? I mean, the obvious answer is not restructuring, but repentance, because repentance is the only path for the Church to have genuine, how do you put it, unity that is restoring you to the, the you know, the, the, uh, the, the faith relation with Jesus Christ. If, if we have wandered from that in our teaching, in our practice, we need to be able to look down in the face and see it and say, you know, Lord, have mercy upon us. Look at us here. We're not serving the, the Lord Jesus Christ in this way. Let us return to the Word. Let us return to what he's been given. I can already hear someone saying, but we do all believe the same thing. In fact, I, was, I, <laughs> I, I encountered, a, uh, I encountered a, uh, um, a, a retired uh, official of the church, an elected official of the church, um, some, some months back, and he was trying his hardest because I had talked about the, the fractured nature of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate, our particular context. And uh, he was trying to convince me as, as, as uh, passionately as he could we do all believe the same thing. We all agree. We really – you don't see that we really all agree. We just – we just – I think he said something like we all really appreciate the confessions. We just come at them from a different ang- – from different angles. <laughs> all right. You're the one laughing, uh, Pastor Knuckles. How would Absolutely. you respond? Absolutely. The reason I'm laughing is that it's the – 
<laughs> can you imagine family dynamics if your son or daughter said, well, Dad, that's just how you look at it. I'm looking at it the same way, but I'm just coming at it from a different angle. Well, there's got to be some authoritative truth or otherwise it's complete chaos and, <laughs> and unorganized uh, fervor to go nowhere. That, that is kind of sad. And you're right, that, that, that is the issue. What are those things? We may believe these same things, but ultimately over time, in confessing them in a different manner, and I would be quick to go to a, a different mode or style of worship service and so on, if we begin to go down these paths, it may not have any short-term effect, but long-term, large effect, because it's ultimately going to create a new confession. Or otherwise, why would we then not worship like the Pentecostals or the Charismatics or the Baptists or the Methodists or Presbyterians? It goes along with their point of view of how they view how God comes to them, how they view what God's Word and sacraments are. It is an expression of that faith there. Okay, so that brings us to the next sentence in this, in this article that we're studying of the Church, Article 7 of the Augsburg Confession, nor is it necessary that human traditions, that is, rites and ceremonies instituted by men, should be everywhere alike, as Paul says, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, quoting from Ephesians 4, verses 5 and 6. With about a minute here before we go to our break, Pastor Whedon, it sounds as though they're saying, hey, as long as you all believe the same things about the narrow matter of the gospel and the sacraments, the rest of it is kind of laissez-faire. No, no, I don't think so. I think their 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 primary concern at this point is that no human, merely human tradition, be elevated to the status of a divine mandate. They, the Lutherans from the very beginning, made absolutely crystal clear that which is of God and that which is of man. They weren't tossing out that which is of man, but they noted that that which is of man is not sufficient to preserve the unity of the church. You can be totally united in your man-made stuff and still miss the true unity, which only comes from the gospel and the sacraments. We're talking with our pastor's roundtable this Thursday afternoon. It's the 19th of March, and we're talking about the church. Pastor Will Whedon, pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, is with us here in the studio, along with Pastor Jeff Hammer. He's pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Jerseyville, Illinois, and on the phone from Austin, Texas, where he pastors St. Paul Lutheran Church, Pastor Mark Knuckles. I'm Todd Wilkins. Stay tuned. More issues, etc. Pastor's Roundtable, after this. Evangelical and Catholic. You're listening to Issues Etc. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, Executive Director of Life Issues Institute. Would you sacrifice a broken leg to save an unborn baby? Yes, if you're George Crail. While sidewalk counseling outside an abortion mill in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, a young man driving in with his pregnant wife for an abortion hit George and ran over him with a car. After dialing 911, George called his wife, Tina, and she rushed to the scene. When Tina confronted the young man, she first said she forgave him for hitting her husband. His face entirely changed and he apologized. Then she asked him to look her in the eyes and said this was a sign from God. He didn't want you to abort your baby. The couple agreed and left the abortion mill. George said he'd do it all over again if it meant saving this baby's life. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been.
On behalf of the staff of Issues Etc., thanks to each and every one of the more than 7,600 who signed the online petition to bring back Issues Etc. Marcina Hogue, Christy Eden, David Bickle, William Hogue, David Goad, Donald Johnson, Robert Schreck, Eunice Rodriguez, Ray Bricky, and Beth Davenport. Thanks for your support. We know that many congregations are putting together their budgets for the next fiscal year. Please consider adding the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. to your congregation's mission or advertising budget for 2009. Simply go to the sponsors page of our website, issuesetc.org, and find out more about the Issues Etc. 300. We're looking for 300 congregations to donate $1,000 to Issues Etc. You'll even find a one-page flyer that you can hand out. Thanks for your support. little music familiar to Pastor Will Whedon. I think he comes from the, the hoots and hollows of, where is it, Virginia or one of those places where they sing music like this? They sing about the little white You church. betcha, Virginia. Really? I, did, I was taking another guess. This, I am two for two. The other day I guessed his dog's name was Lucy. And, and today I actually got his birthplace right in conjunction with our bump music. Not, not, not the birthplace, where my family is from. I was born in Maryland. Oh, you were born in Maryland. Okay. Mm-hmm. So but you have, we were Virginians in exile. All right. So you have... Uh, <laughs> You have more sophisticated roots than I was led to believe. But that has yes. I mean, the proof is in the pudding, if you ask me. We're talking about the church. Pastor Will Whedon, Pastor Mark Knuckles, and Pastor Jeff Hemmer are our guests. By the way, Pastor, uh, Pastor Hemmer, I believe your congregation is, uh, is, a, is a supporter. Um, and Pastor Knuckles, your, pastor, your congregation is a supporter of issues, etc., as part of the 300. Am I right? Yes, sir. That gives me an opportunity to talk about the issues, etc. Three hundred. We're looking for three hundred congregations that are willing to support issues, etc., to the tune of one thousand dollars in their mission or advertising budget. Actually, we don't care where you put it in the budget as long as you put it in the budget for issues, etc. You can put it under maintenance for all we care. You can find out more about the issues, etc. Three hundred by going to our website, issuesetc.org. And when you go there, click promote, you'll find a flyer that you can print off and take to your pastor, your elders, or whoever is in charge of that kind of stuff, and ask them to think about making your congregation part of the Issues Etc. 300, issuesetc.org, click promote, you'll find the flyer right there. Todd, did you just uh, admit you're willing to be part of a maintenance ministry? (laughs) I think I am. I think I actually am uh, part of a maintenance ministry. I don't know what else to do. I mean... When the place has fallen or fallen apart around you, you you maintain, don't you? I mean, that's what I do with my marriage. What's that? Well played. That was a good one. Well, I mean, look. I mean, to use to use uh, Pastor Knuckles' uh, analogy here, that's what I do with my marriage. I maintain my marriage. I my wife and I don't talk about doing anything other than maintaining it because it's worth maintaining, isn't it? So's the oh. church. Mm-hmm. And, and your words about repentance, that, that, is, that is so critical, isn't it? How do you mean? Well, not only applying that same paradigm to, the, to obviously your marriage, but then to the church. Um, it is how any congregation, because I guess going back to your definition that we were all agreed upon, if, if, it, if it starts at that central location, your local parish, at which those words are proclaimed in their purity and truth from God's Word, and, and those sacraments are, are administered according to how he meant them to be administered. Uh, 
that within that group or gathering, that congregation, there is going to be all manners of people at all various points of view that are united around those things. And the only thing that keeps them united in in the best sense or the best construction is ultimately repentance, um, not only to to one another, but to their Lord. No different than a, in a marriage. So yeah, you, what you said was profound. All right, let's talk about uh, the the next article. What uh, the whoa, church... whoa, 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 before we do. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, we have one more, one more thought about that thing at the end there. You know, it, the, uh, at the end of Article uh, 7, you know, it's not necessary that human traditions. It's also not necessary. Um, it says that rites or ceremonies instituted by men should be the same everywhere. Um, you know, this is this is in many ways the Magna Carta of, of Lutheran liturgy. Because Lutheran liturgy never never pretends that it is um, divine. Lutheran liturgy simply says, you know, this we've received this as a gift from the church. Hey, this is useful for the gospel. It's useful for the way it connects people savingly to Jesus Christ. But we do not have to do it in, um, you know, the, the way that Rome had had it prescribed there. The, the, this is a real big fight. That's what the, the, the unspoken thing at this point is the Lutherans had dropped the, this long canon prayer of, at, at the Eucharist. I mean, they're saying we don't have to do that. We still have the gospel here, in, in and there is there is no diminishment of 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 the gospel by dropping that particular prayer. So Krauth put it so beautifully when he said the Lutheran Church possesses liturgical life without liturgical bondage. And that is the key that's running that thing at the end there. Some would say well, that anything is anything that uh uh that we that uh we practice handed down from someone else that we don't come up with on our own spontaneously some form of bondage. How would you respond to that, Pastor Weed? No, I would say that is absolutely nonsense. All kinds of things are handed down to us that, um, you know, the, the bondage means you have to do this. The, the Lutheran question is never, what do I have to do? The Lutheran question is, does this, how does this convey this gospel of Christ that connects us to Jesus and to the Father? How does it do, how does it serve that purpose? And what serves well, we rejoice in and say, man, thank you for that gift, Heavenly Father. That's a beautiful thing. So we receive this, this vast heritage from the ancient church and say, this is great. It's great stuff. Look at how well it serves the gospel. The question is never, do you have to do it? The question is, is there, is, is this itself in service to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor Knuckles, you were going to jump in. Oh, it was just going to kind of piggyback on the the last part of, of the point that was made in regard to um, that it does not have to be prescribed, uh, the orders of services and so on, uniform all throughout. And where, unfortunately, many of our peers and our fellow believers within the Missouri Synod Church love to take that and run with it and use it as, here's a reason why we are allowed. We have the freedom to do this. Well, the context of which that was written, there wasn't broadly divergent orders of services. They were all liturgical with the Catholic uh, small-c overarching um, flavor. There was not this uh, American pop type. So it's completely out of context to say that that applies to our situation today so that we can have alternative forms of services that don't convey exactly what Pastor Whedon was saying, the truth of the Word and sacraments and some other main, uh, forming a brand new confession over time of those, or a point of view of those great means of grace that God comes to us. 
There's different directions of freedom, too. Um, Again? Uh, there's different directions of freedom, too. With, with regard to God, um, we're perfectly free in the gospel, but towards our neighbor, um, we, we bind ourselves out of love uh, towards a, a common service, that, that we're all doing similar things in the same place, or, or similar right, things in, in different places. Yeah, because that serves the gospel. Exactly. Correct, correct. And, and it promotes, it ultimately, as you said earlier too, it promotes a theology, a belief about God and how he works, and how he encounters us, and how the way he chooses to bring himself to us in an incarnational and sacramental fashion. Is there some debate as to, especially in our context today, as to what are human traditions, rites, and ceremonies instituted by men? I have heard that very phrase used by pastors, Lutheran pastors, to say, well, that's why my church only has communion one time a year. The seekers don't know it. They don't get it. The believers hardly ask for it. So we only have uh, communion once or twice a year. And they say, and after all, rites and ceremonies don't have to be the same everywhere. How would you respond, Pastor Whedon? You know exactly, Pastor Knuckles. I mean, you're, you've missed the you've missed the entire context of the discussion. If if you pulled out this little piece and take it in that direction, you have you you have you have missed what the reformers were saying because they were they were not arguing about whether or not the divine service and they had a real clear idea of what the divine service. You're going to get to it in a couple of weeks when you get to the mass. You know they have a very clear idea of what the divine service is, and th- there was no question that that was central and would be central. Our confessions say that the Eucharist is celebrated every Sunday and Holy Day. I Absolutely, mean, th- that that is what Lutherans confess. A person who says that they don't need to do that is a person. I say, well, then you're not a Lutheran. Okay, here's Don in Kansas. I would like your response to this, Pastor Hemmer, as we go into our break. Don in Kansas says, Jesus has promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The holy Christian church will remain forever. The true church will have the means of grace, that is, the real marks of the church. But will, will that true faith remain among us? Like Luther said, when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we as children of God also lead holy lives according to it, we have the message that Jesus gave to the Laodicean church, that we should heed its warning because they were lukewarm. He said he would spit them out of his mouth. Today in the church, we have many who let the world control their teaching. As one fat after another and the church—sorry, my screen just went blank—and the church is dying, this is not your grandfather's church. Change is their idol. How would you respond mm-hmm. to uh, Don mm-hmm. there in Kansas? Yeah, it's, the church, uh, she's invincible. Um, the way uh, St. John describes it in Revelation chapter 12, uh, the dragon wants more than anything, first of all, to kill the child of the woman. Um, but he can't. He can't kill the Christ. Um, he can't overpower Christ. Um, and then he tries, the next best thing would be to kill the woman, to destroy Christ's church. Um, but he can't. She, uh, she's protected by her Lord. She's invincible. Um, and so his only hope is uh, her other offspring, Christians. So the gates of hell will never prevail against the church, um, but Christians are free to leave at any time. Uh, I guess that brings us back to, to if I'm going to say the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, i got to make sure that we're really talking about the church here, Pastor Whedon. When do we say, with about 30 seconds, I'll let you pick up on the other side, when do we say that the church is not 
the church. The church ceases to be the church where there is no gospel and sacraments, where they, where they have been compromised to such an extent that the good news of Jesus Christ, that alone is the Holy Spirit's instrument to work saving faith, is no longer heard and present. When that happens, I don't care what trappings are left, the church has ceased to be there. Let's talk about that on the other side of the break. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Live on this Thursday. It's the 19th of March. What kind of questions or comments do you have about the church? Give us a call or email us during this break. Ten more minutes in our pastor's roundtable, 1-877-623-6943, my IE, or you can email us, talkback at issuesetc.org. Now when we come back, we're going to be talking about hypocrites, about whether or not the word and sacraments administered by evil men do any good. We'll be right back. Here are a few of the features of the new Lutheran Study Bible from Concordia Publishing House. Study notes, application notes, and prayers from a uniquely Lutheran perspective. 120 maps, charts, and diagrams. You'll find law and gospel application notes, center column references, and quotes from the Church Fathers. Check out the Lutheran Study Bible at our homepage, issuesetc.org, or pre-order the Lutheran Study Bible by calling Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040. On behalf of the staff of Issues Etc., thanks to each and every one of the more than 7,600 who signed the online petition to bring back Issues Etc., Timothy Kosteritz, Pastor Leonard Ostrowski Jr., Pastor Stefan Wiesmer, Ricky Bogota, Mrs. Richard L. Fisher, Eunice Brown, Shanda Sassy, Bradley Varville, Melissa Varville, and Margie Wolke. Thanks for your support. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. My local Christian bookstore just sells Jesus schlock. Where can I find good material? We at NewReformationPress.com are committed to providing a hand-picked selection of books and teaching materials that educate, inform, and entertain while uniquely maintaining a relentless focus on the gospel. We believe that these forgotten doctrines and their scriptural emphases can not only enrich individual Christians and revive the church, but also address the deepest needs of our culture. Discover our growing library of resources by Dr. Rod Rosenblatt of the White Horse Inn radio program, including his powerful address, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church, available exclusively at NewReformationPress.com or the big-picture audio presentation Bible in an Hour by Pastor Wade Butler. Learn the center and scope of redemptive history and scripture in just one hour. And of course, be sure not to miss our selection of t-shirts, gifts, and artwork as well. NewReformationPress.com Finally, Reformation Theology Made Accessible. Welcome back to Issues Etc. Ten more minutes. Tomorrow on the program, listener email Issues Etc. Blog of the Week and Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. If you go to our website, issuesetc.org, click on demand, you'll find those soundbites ready for you to listen to and vote in advance. You can email us, talkback at issuesetc.org. Monday on the program, haha. Monday on the program, I want your answer to this question. Does Rush Limbaugh Remember that guy? Does Rush Limbaugh have a Christian worldview? Your, think about it over the weekend. You know, 
listen to Rush tomorrow. See what see what he's saying there. Evaluate it in light of a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, and be ready to answer that question on Monday's program. Or call in number one eight seven seven six two three my IE eight seven seven six two three six nine four three. Okay, then let's talk about hypocrites, evil persons mingled with therein, as they say. Um, the question seems to be here for the confessors. Okay, gospel and sacraments, but when are those gospel and sacraments, as they say, effectual? What are they fighting here, Pastor Whedon, when they say the gospel and sacraments are effectual by reason of the institution and command of Christ, notwithstanding they be administered by evil men? Well, you know, they deal with it, first of all, from the standpoint of, you know, again, notice again, singular, the congregation of saints and true believers. So inside of this mass of people that Christ has as his own, that the Holy Spirit has used the gospel and the sacraments to connect to saving faith to him, um, you're going to have people who are not actually having that inner connection. They may be in the crowd of the people, but they're not. They're they're in the church, but not of the church, um, to borrow the way our Lord speaks in John 17. So what happens when this invades the ministry? Well, obviously, from the very get-go, it invaded the ministry. You think about Judas. Um, it invades the ministry, and what do you do if you have somebody who is preaching and administering the sacraments, and yet, at, this, at the same time, they don't have a faith connection to Jesus Christ inside of their heart? Um, they're handing it out, but they don't have it inside. Can they hand out what they don't have? And the answer from our confessions is absolutely, because the word, you know, the, the office that they're in, even though it's, you know, it's, I agree with you, know, CFW author, it's a detestable contradiction to have a pastor who is not a true believer. But it certainly can happen. And what a comfort this is to us pastors. Haven't you been comforted by that in the past? And you stop and think, oh my gosh, even though I'm, I, I am such an evil, wicked, sinful man, thanks be to God that what I'm handing out is not afflicted, is, is not affected by my sin. You know, we always pray that our sin would not disgrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we know that the, sac- the sacrament we hand out, the baptism we administer, this is done by the office. It's done by Christ himself, and therefore it remains sure and firm. And it places the efficaciousness, as you said, not on the man, but on the actual Christ in the fleshness of the Word and the sacrament. What, yes, absolutely what you said, how comforting it is in all times um, for that to be ringing true. It is, uh, Pastor Hemmer, this is uh, kind of another uh, place where the Church today diverges, because it strikes me that an awful lot of people consider God's Word in particular especially effective if the pastor is especially godly, pious. Helps if he's good-looking and a good orator, too. And maybe he's got a great backup praise band. That makes it even more effective. In fact, we hear from the gurus of church growth that such preachers are more effective, period. They don't seem to understand where the true effectiveness lies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, where's your source of confidence? People go uh, hopping from church to church because they like a pastor um, for for lots of reasons. And the reality is that it's not it's not the guy in the office. It's the Lord who works through the office that he created to deliver his gifts. So uh, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you read in the headlines that— uh, that your pastor has been worshiping at a Buddhist temple, um, it's it's no problem to you because it doesn't matter what his faith is. He's still the instrument that the Lord has been using to deliver his gifts to you. You're going to defrock him, but you're not going well, to worry sure, about whether or yeah. not the baptism <laughs> that he administered last Sunday is Absolutely. a real baptism. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, 
It sounds as though we have two very different definitions of what the church is at work today. One is essentially a human contrivance where our methods, our means, our bright ideas make the church what it is. And the other one is all centered around Christ and his word. Can the two, if this is exactly what's going on in our own context, Pastor Whedon, in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, these two views of the church, can they be reconciled? No, no, no. Um, and, and, and and nor should we even try. Um, the, 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 well, I, I've said for, for, uh, for a while that, you know, I think every congregation needs to adopt <clears throat> a, a new mission statement. How do you like that? Here, here, here's the mission statement, to be the church of God in this place. That's all you need to do, <laughs> just to be the church of God in this place. Well said. It's to be the community of God, the family of God in this place. That means you'll be the place of prayer. It means you'll be the place where the, where the, where the body and blood of Christ um, constantly renew and nourish the people of God, where the, where the cross is proclaimed ceaselessly. Um, where people are summoned to lay their sins down at the feet of the crucified and receive from him absolution that is sure and certain and on earth as it is in heaven. This is to be the church of God in this place, and it's all that any congregation should ever strive to be, period, the end. And we don't need to compromise with the other way of looking at it, not that I'm opinionated on the question or anything. You hit the nail on the head, because take that same application again, back to the marriage again. <laughs> what, you, what you said earlier, Todd, that's a, that, that is precisely it. My goodness, where else does God call us to be anything more than that? Isn't that enough? <laughs> that should keep our hands full and our, and our bodies busy about the things of the Church just with that. But, you know, Pastor Hemmer pointed out, uh, Pastor Knuckles, that, or he used that term maintenance ministry in a joking way, <laughs> but we're told today that if the Church is just being the Church in the place where God has put it, they are stalled. They're yeah. probably dead, and they're doing nothing more than maintenance ministry, a very derogatory term in our context. They need to be doing something more than just being the church. <laughs> How would you respond, Pastor Knuckles? What a kick in the proverbial crotch um, for all those faithful men and women who have continually taught their kids the basics of the catechism, and have prayed with them, and have helped them memorize Scripture, and have prayed the Our Father with them, and have had daily devotions, and nothing seemingly came from that that could be viewed or quantified or measured or anything along those lines, and yet, oh my goodness, what a challenge just that is to fulfill that vocation of being parent. And it should be the same thing for uh, a body of Christ, how difficult in this world to just maintain fidelity to God's Word so that it doesn't get all um, flummoxed and screwed up, and then also then to make sure that it's proclaimed clearly and, and succinctly and with, with what God has given, those gifts of, of baptism and Lord's Supper, which is the Word, nothing more than visible, that in and of itself should be enough for any congregation to tackle. But like always, it doesn't have the flash or panache or excitement or stimulation or titillation that, that uh, unfortunately, in this world and especially in this culture, we are striving to get, because then we can be assured that the spirituality is strong and full. I used it tongue-in-cheek um, because people do uh, are, use maintenance ministry pejoratively. Um, but really, Christ tells his disciples to remain in his word. 
Um, and it's he who does the maintenance. He maintains the gift of faith that he has delivered. Um, and so in that regard, maintenance is a, a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Pastor Jeff Hammer is pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. I like the ending that way. Maintenance is a wonderful thing. Uh, pastor Will Whedon is pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. And Pastor Mark Knuckles is pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Austin, Texas. Gentlemen, thank you all thank for you. being with us this thank afternoon. You. Thanks, brothers. It's good to be with you. says the church, the one holy church, is to continue forever. And you say, wow, that sounds pretty—that's a pretty uh, arrogant statement. I mean, can you really guarantee that the church is going to continue forever? How how arrogant you must be. Well, if the church were merely a human institution, then, of course, saying that would be arrogant in the extreme, but it isn't. The church is, in fact, Christ among us, and we in Christ— Christ incorporating us into his body and Christ giving us his body and blood to eat and drink and putting his word into us and speaking his word through us. And it is the very body of Christ, the very life of Christ in this world. And there is nothing greater than Christ in this world. It is a place where sinners are saved and forgiven and washed and redeemed and sanctified and sealed for eternal life. And this church is not only for this life. Guess what? When all other things have passed away, guess what's left? Christ and his church forever. Next Thursday, we'll continue our series on the Augsburg Confession with a roundtable discussion of baptism. Now, if you appreciate series like this that we're doing on the Augsburg Confession, consider making a tax-deductible gift to Issues Etc. You can donate online, issuesetc.org, or by check. Make your check payable to Lutheran Public Radio and send it to LPR, Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. That's LPR, Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. And I can't wait until all that's left is Christ and the church. When all other things have passed away, when there will be a true unity between what the church is here, this institution of redeemed human beings, Christ's institution, and Christ himself. I'm Todd Wilkin, Hour 2 of Issues, etc. After this break. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues, etc. Issues, etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Lutheran Public Radio, P.O. Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 912, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.